Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Esther Sweetman, who's involved in a life-transforming ministry called Restored. Esther Sweetman, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you for having me. We first met, can you remember? Yes, I can. In Canada. Yes. Where did you live at the time? In Montreal. Montreal, yeah. that's right. And, and you Kitty came... and I came to um, teach, speak at one of the camps that that's your right. parents were involved in. That's right, that's right. In organizing. And you actually lived with us for a little while. I think a month. Yes. Because there was quite a bit of yeah. ministry there. Yeah. So obviously you originate from Canada. Yes. Uh, you now live in London. Yes, I've been here just over 20 years now. Okay, tell us a little bit about your background. Are, are, you went to university and studied? Uh, psychology. And then what did you do? And then I worked um, in the, in, with teenagers for a long period of time. Uh, teenagers with kind of challenging backgrounds. Yes. And then I decided to um, study theology. So then I went to oh, where to? I went to Vancouver Regent College. Regent. I studied theology there, and um, after that, I decided I would go and continue my education in psychology. So I went back to school and did a master's in counseling psychology, and so um, I did a lot of uh, work in the field of vocational rehabilitation. It's like uh, occupational health. Yes. So I worked in Vancouver in private clinics. And then I came here and worked um, kind of for in rehabilitation arms of insurance companies, working with nurses and OTs and physiotherapists and psychologists. And so my background has been sure. very much in the helping profession for wow, most of my life. It really has. Uh, and now you work for a ministry called Restored. Yes. So t tell us about Restored. What What is Restored? Yeah. So Restored is a Christian charity that aims to equip churches to deal with domestic violence appropriately, um, to provide safe spaces for survivors and to provide them with hope, and to um, just encourage churches to model healthy relationships between men and women. Okay, so there's obviously a need, sadly, yes. for a ministry like the one that you're involved in. Yes. Uh, can you give us some of the, the facts? Yeah. How how bad is it? Yeah. I mean, often we, we like to think, oh, well, it's not happening in our church. But um, what we wanted to do was um, get real statistics on this issue. Yes. So we um, uh, commissioned the University of Leicester and Coventry University to do research for us. So they did some research in Cumbria. And I'm just intrigued. The reason you went for two universities, is that because you wanted two sets of data to compare? Uh, no, they worked, to get, they worked on, uh, together. They yeah, worked together? Yeah, they worked together on okay. this research. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they uh, surveyed over 400 churchgoers in Cumbria on their experience of domestic abuse. And um, it, came, it turned out that 42% or one in four of the respondents had experienced at least one incident of domestic abuse um, in their life. And um, this showed us that actually it is happening in churches. Yes. And, the, and further, some of the research shows that actually 52% uh, of that abuse was um, perpetuated by Christian men and that over half of the people who experienced domestic abuse had children under 18 years of age in their homes. 
So sometimes we think that children aren't involved in this scenario, and that yes. they're. Or sometimes we don't engage. We don't think about talking about children, but the reality is that children very much observe what's happening in their house. And now, um, uh, when children ex observe domestic abuse, it is now considered child abuse. That, that yes. event. So actually, domestic abuse right now is very much a safeguarding issue within sure. churches. So safeguarding for the children who might be um, experiencing it in their household, but also safeguarding for the individual, the adult, who is also experiencing the abuse. So it's really not something for churches to think, oh, it's not happening in our church, or let's just, you know, put, you know, shove that under the carpet a little bit, or let's minimize it. It's like, no, we've, we, this is a safeguarding issue that we really need to deal with in our churches. Um, I, I have a sense that some of our viewers um, are surprised, possibly shocked, um, that we're talking about the church. Yes, yes, I know. Well, the church is just made up of people from society, right? And um, the reality is, in society, one in four people have experienced domestic abuse. That is the statistic. And, and, but, and, and in church, the statistic would is be... the exact same. No, yes. It's, it's, but, but, but why? Does, why? Why? If people have experienced the saving, redeeming, healing, delivering grace of God, why would this be equivalent to the world? It's a good question. I mean, churches are just a microcosm of the larger society, and we are all fallen, and um, the attitudes and belief systems that are the foundation that allow people to abuse don't necessarily disappear once they become Christian. They are deeply, deeply rooted in their psyche or in their who they've been, how they've developed. And it would be wonderful to think that becoming a Christian absolutely changes a human being yes. from the inside out. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes that those deep-seated belief systems still allow them, for whatever reason, to abuse. And so that's why we feel that we need to educate churches and help them to understand what are, the, what are these deep-seated belief systems that allow people to abuse and how can we change that? And unfortunately, there is a history of people using um, Bible passages to um, make people feel comfortable with abuse yes, or make almost people... almost like to condone it. Almost condone excuse it, it. Excuse yeah. it. Yes. Uh, that kind of thing. And so we, we put a lot of effort into looking at different Bible passages and helping people to understand, actually, if we look at the larger context, what they mean, it's not condoning abuse in any way, and it's not condoning um, looking at women as lesser than or subservient. Sure. And, and that's, that's a lot of where abuse in Christian churches come from, right? And in, not just in Christian churches, but in many faiths, yes. is that there's this sense that women are lesser than, sure. or uh, property of, or um, you know, subservient to men, and that when, um, uh, and, that, and that those thoughts allow people over time to, to abuse because they feel that the woman deserves it, that this is their right, that kind of thing. So um, the way out of that is education. 
And that's what Restored is here for, is to educate really, and to look at the Bible really closely, which we do in our church pack, which we have here, we can talk about. Sure. Uh, we also do that in the handbook. So we, we look at what the Bible has to say about domestic abuse. We look at what the Bible has to say about justice in these situations, justice for people who have been oppressed. We look, about, look at that. We look at really tough d discussions on, for example, what the Bible has to say about divorce after domestic abuse. Um, we look at issues, even difficult issues like forgiveness after abuse. Sure. So we look at all those really, n really nothing is out of bounds for us. No, we're, we're willing to like take all. on the difficult yeah. topics and really deal with them. Yeah. Sure. Now, when we use the word abuse, yeah. What, what do you mean, Esther? What does that mean? Give us, an, give us examples of what the breadth of it. Right. So abuse is about um, control and coercion. That is, and, and it um, is the sense of trying to keep another person controlled and under the thumb. And there's a variety of different ways in which that can happen. That could be physical abuse. It can be financial abuse, it can be emotional abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse. So there's a lot of different ways yeah. that a person might try to keep another person controlled. And it is all about control and the, the sense of entitlement. I am in, there's a, a sense often in the abuser of, I am entitled to control this person. Yes. I am entitled to use all these methods to control this person. So a lot of times we think abuse is only physical abuse and uh, that's no longer the case. No. no. So there is actually, uh, in 2015, the UK has enacted a law, the uh, coercive control law. So now you, that you can actually, if you have been found guilty, you can actually go to jail for coercive control. And it's not, just, it's not just physical abuse, it's all those methods can be used to control that person. Okay, so we've got the abuser and we've got the abused. Okay, just uh, a little bit more uh, wisdom as to with the abusers, um, is it a bit like alcohol? Until you confess that you're an alcoholic, you won't get the help that you need. Are these people um, deceiving themselves? Are they aware of what they're doing? How are they going to begin to get the help that they should get? I think they're very aware that they are abusing, but they are not, they are not, they are deceiving themselves that it's okay. Okay. So it's like there's a lot of probably, you would say, psychological gymnastics that happens that allows them to feel that what they're doing is okay and allowed and fine. And so they do need to repent. It's like any sin, right? Sure. Until a lot of, we, we do deceive ourselves with any sin that we make a psychological gymnastics to, to say to ourselves, oh, it's okay in this instance, or it's okay because of X and Y or Z. But actually, no, we need to say it's never okay. So abuse we need to say is never okay. And the person does need to repent of it and turn. But generally speaking, it's very difficult for an abuser to do this on their own. Yes. And that they do need professional support. And, and I don't even mean just a pastor or a, a lay leader yeah. or even the Christian community. They need- Do you mean counseling? They need, and not even just counseling, they need a professional perpetrator program yes. that is offered 
by there are professional organizations out there that offer this. But, but um, it obviously begins with confession. Absolutely, yes. It's, it's yeah, a start, it, yes. Yeah, it, it ha there has to be a confession, an admission Absolutely. that I have a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. That is so, the start. So for any of our viewers now, um, maybe very surprised to be watching this particular interview. They didn't know what the subject was. And they know that they have a problem as an abuser. What would you advise them to do from today? Uh, I would advise them to go to their pastor and confess what's going on. And um, I would advise them to go to an organization called Respect. Respect is the organization in the UK that deals with perpetrators and provides programs and support to help them to stop. I would uh, uh, recommend that they get an accountability, either, even an accountability group, a tiny group, doesn't have to be a huge group, like of maybe three people to keep them accountable for their behaviors. Um, and uh, I would just recommend just humility. I mean, it's very, very difficult to get to the place to be willing to admit that. Yes. But to just maintain humility to be able to go through those steps. But also it means that, that the wife of that person needs to be protected. So there needs to be safeguarding measures that need yes. to be taken as well. Sure, So, sure. But for, yeah. for the perpetrator, that's what I would recommend for them. Right. And um, so, so for the, um, the woman who's being abused, but uh, just out of curiosity, are men sometimes abused by women? Yes, they are. And uh, generally it's one in six. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into the... No. the is that a different kind of abuse? No, it can be very similar. It can be very similar. Yeah, Emotional, it can, psychological. Yeah, financial. Or... It can all be very, very similar. Uh, physical as well. Um, I guess we are not the experts. I understand, dealing, but, but that does it, happen. Absolutely. And, and there I do, are ministries that help. Yes. Yes. For example, there's Mankind. So men who are uh, also being abused should go to mankind.org. Okay. Uh, and that is an excellent organization for men being abused. Great. Yeah. Okay. So now the women who are being abused um, and some, well, I was going to say severely, I mean, all abuse yes. is severe. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I know. Some, that's sometimes you I don't know. know what vocabulary to use. I know, I right. know. And, um, you know, sometimes it's said, well, uh, why doesn't the woman just walk away? But actually, that's a terrible thing to say because that's putting the onus on the woman. Exactly. Right. Why, so, don't, why aren't we asking why doesn't yes. the man stop abusing? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So, uh, the women that are abused okay, are in a very awkward situation. Yes. Uh, they're obviously bruised in lots of different ways. They're very vulnerable. They may have very young children yeah. and, and they feel like, you know, they're cornered. Yeah. So, okay, what would you say to them? What can they do? Yeah, so um, the first thing they could do, I would say is call the um, local domestic abuse services either through their council or they can contact Women's Aid or there's a national helpline. And sometimes it's very anxiety provoking to take that first step. But I think for these women to realize that they're not uh, making any commitment, they're finding out what their choices are of what next steps they can take. And these are professional organizations that can help them. Now, is there sometimes, um, Esther, 
a fear that the, whim, the woman might have of making that call and what the husband might do. Yes, well, hopefully they make that call without the husband around. Yes. So, you, yes, because absolutely, there's going to be no abuser that no. wants to see that happening. No. So what I would recommend for those women as well is to perhaps go to one trusted friend, wise trusted friend, um, could be from their church or outside of their church, um, who they feel could help them and maybe give them some safe space to go to. So maybe they go to that person's house and make the phone call from that person's house. Um, you know, what, this is why we want to educate churches, because we want our church, uh, not just leaders, but congregations to be those safe people for, that, for someone sure. to come to. So that's why we want to train them well. So we want to train them, listen, don't judge. We want to train them to say, um, you know, here's my computer if you'd like to use it. Um, here, here's a, a cup of coffee. You know, let, let's talk. And also to be open to hearing the stories, you know, and being yes. able to say, you know what, that something about that doesn't sound right to me. Because often the person being abused is the last person to understand what's actually going on. Yes. Because they are so stressed just surviving, it's hard for them to put the puzzle pieces together. And sometimes it's really good friends around those women who can put the puzzle pieces together and say, something's not right. Yes, come something's to, come, not right. Something's not right. Come to my house. Let's just, you know, why don't we make a phone call to Women's Aid? Okay. It's no commitment. And where, where does that lead to? What's the next thing after that? Well, um, and this again is why I think professionals are so important because they are the experts. Um, in, in, in a church situation, there's not going to be necessarily experts in every, no. every realm, right? So you go to Women's Aid and they will tell you, give you a bit of information about what your options are, what you're experiencing. Sometimes women just want to hear, give their story, and then they want to hear an expert say, yes, this is abuse, right? Yes. Because then the woman can go, right, I knew something was really wrong, and now I understand this. And then that helps them to think about, what are the next steps that they're sure. going to take, right? And that can be very different for very many women. Sometimes they need to create an exit plan that it, that takes a few months to organize, right? Yes. Sometimes it's immediate, right? If they're in a, a huge amount of physical danger, they should just be calling 999 and getting out immediately. Yes. Um, but sometimes it takes a few months to organize to uh, a safe exit plan, Yes. Uh, which, for example, we have on our website, we have yes. an outline of what a safe exit plan can be uh, to help them um, get out of that kind of situation. But also, it's wonderful if that woman trusted their pastor, their church leader to go and talk to them. Sure. They could go to them. But uh, my worry, and this is why we exist, is that we want to train that church leader on how to respond to it well. Because if they go to their church leader and that church leader says to them, just pray about it. Go back, yes. go back home and just pray about it. Th that's not helping. Or if no. they, they just say, go back and, and um, try harder. Be a little bit more. Don't I know. Be a little bit more sub subservient, or you know, don't don't rock the boat. Yeah, be or kinder. Be kinder. You know, all these kind of things. Then they know my church isn't a trustworthy place yeah. for me to go to. And I mean, I I work. That's my job at Restorers. I work with survivors, and I can't tell you the number of stories I've had where 
I've had survivors go to their church leaders, tell them the whole story, and the church leader has said, you must go back to your abuser. And then they're just devastated because they feel that um, God is on their abuser's side. Sure. And that um, then there's, yeah. and they feel no hope, yes. you know, and then they feel even stuck even more. Sure. But do you think the, the church leader, uh, I'm not condoning this by the yeah. way, I, you know, is saying that because they don't know what else to say. Well, exactly, exactly. And that's why we're here, right? That's why, Th yeah. That's why so we're really, here, yeah. church leaders need to be uh, informed. Yes. Uh, that this is a reality. Exactly. And if it's one in four in society, sadly, it yeah. shouldn't, but it may be one in four in your congregation. Absolutely. So you need to be aware of this Exactly. And give opportunity for yeah. women to yeah. actually express that there's alarm bells ringing. Exactly. And yeah. Exactly. And just to be that person, you know, a safe space for them to come and tell their story, to be believed, yes. to be pointed in the right direction, um, meaning proper professional services. That's the other thing that sometimes happens in churches is they feel like, we're going to deal with this in-house. Absolutely. We're going to keep this quiet because we, you know, this is bad for our reputation. If anyone hears that there's domestic abuse in our congregation. So we're keeping this in-house. We're not going to talk about it. And, um, and then that person doesn't get any professional input. Yeah. So the best thing for us to do as a Christian community is to seek out the professionals and then walk through the journey with that survivor sure. and support them through. So um, that is the best plan. I, I am so impressed that during um, lockdown, you've produced a number of resources. For example, there's COVID-19. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so um, we had a lot of queries about how to deal with domestic abuse during COVID-19. So we- Has it escalated? It has escalated hugely. And I'm sure many of um, the watchers may have seen in the news right now, there's yeah. a lot of discussion on domestic violence. And again, equally in secular society, the same in our Christian churches. So um, this is why we developed toolkits. So we developed toolkits for survivors, toolkits yes. for church leaders, and toolkits for men under pressure. So um, if you go to our website, it's yeah. a free, it's a free yeah. uh, download. download. So all these yeah. are free materials. Yeah. So we have do's and don'ts. Yes. We have a list of do's and don'ts, a flow chart of exactly how to progress with any disclosures. Uh, we have the basically the uh, what a church leader, we, we call it the four R's of what a church leader should do when a disclosure has been made. What are those four, four R's? R's? So it's recognize, recognize what's being said to you, that it's serious, don't disregard it, don't take it lightly. Respond, respond professionally um, with believing, with no judgment, with listening, with encouragement. Refer, so refer again to the professionals. So it's very easy to go to your council, just any council, sure. look it up in look go to your council and say domestic abuse services on your local council and there will always be a phone number there yes. or there's the national phone number that you can go to as well or women's aid which is easy to go to and then record always keep just a private uh, record of what's going on yes. so the four r's 
Recognize, Wonderful. respond, refer, and record. Brilliant. So all these available on your website. Well done, Esther, for yep. making these resources available. And this book, uh, which you've edited, can you tell us about that book? Yeah. So uh, we realized that a lot of survivors, there was not very much um, support for survivors after they left. Um, there's a lot of information on getting out, yes. but then that period of time, which can go on for years, of how healing and recovery. And so we wanted to put uh, a resource together for survivors. So I had 14 professionals write 28 chapters on uh, supporting women after they've left, survivors after they've left. And we've uh, broken it down into um, a different sections. So it's managing the practical realities after yes. leaving. So things like finding new accommodation, finding a new job, um, financial planning, financial planning, managing debt, what the divorce process might look like. Yes. And also uh, something called no contact, which is managing boundaries with your abuser. Because when a woman, people think, oh, when a woman leaves, it's all going to be sunny and wonderful. The reality is that abuser is not happy about that person and they will often continue to abuse. So that person is, that survivor is finding a new home, new job, new school for their children, um, you know, new banking, new doctor, yeah. all the while having the abuser still it's like a whole new stalk world. them, yeah. maybe slander them at church. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's a lot that goes on that is uh, really a struggling time for that person. Um, so we want, to, we want to ensure that these practical realities are addressed. And also for churches to understand Absolutely. that there are many, many practical realities for that woman to deal with. Um, and then also, of course, there's the emotional recovery. So yes. looking at self-esteem, self-care, um, mental um, ill health yes. afterwards, very common. Physical ill health afterwards. People don't realize that no. chronic ill health is very, very common after living after. with, say, 10, 15 years of domestic abuse, a person, if they have, maybe they haven't been physically abused, but they've been so emotionally and psychologically abused, Damn. it comes out in physical ill health. Yeah. So that's very, very common. So we deal with that. And we deal with really difficult issues that yeah. a lot of churches don't want to even talk about. Yes. So we deal with um, how infidelity is linked to domestic abuse. And we deal with how pornography is linked to domestic abuse. And again, oh. we don't um, we don't uh, hide from dealing with difficult issues. So wow. we've, we've got chapters on that in here too. Esther, that's honestly, um, it's, it's a great ministry that you're involved with. And um, thank you for letting our viewers know about it. Yeah. Esther, can, can, I, can I just mention the last section? It's the theolog theological section. So we deal with a lot of the things that a lot of survivors are really struggling with their faith and what it means for them leaving their husband and their marriage vow. And so we deal with all those really difficult wow. issues as well. Lots of complex issues. Yeah. Esther, yeah. thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Great. Wow. That was uh, quite something. Well, we'd like to, to pray for uh, those of you that are in homes where you are being abused, that you'll be given the grace and wisdom uh, at this time and um, the Lord will guide you. And we pray if you are an abuser, please go and get the help that you need. Uh, we pray in redemption. We know 
because of Jesus' death and resurrection. He can save, he can heal, he can deliver. And uh, we thank Esther and those that work with her at Restored and uh, please visit their website and download some of this helpful information uh, if it's relevant to you. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Looking for the perfect Christmas gift to help someone on their journey of faith? Visit canonjjohn.com to explore our range of Christmas books, perfect to give away to those exploring the Christian faith and those who are already Christians. The Christmas Story by J. John is a beautifully illustrated children's book, the true story of what happened at the very first Christmas and why it happened. Full of intriguing facts about Christmas, A Christmas Compendium is a surprising and intriguing book of delights and surprises, guaranteed to generate holiday conversation and inspire you to recall your own Christmas memories. Take time this Advent to reflect on the true meaning of the season with one of J. John's Advent Reflection books, God With Us or Joy to the World. We have been inspired and encouraged by people who have bought copies of J. John's books, Making the Christmas Connection, More Than a Christmas Carol, and It's a Wonderful Life, to give away to neighbours, friends and family, the perfect size to fit in a Christmas card, and ideal to give away to those exploring Christianity. In the run-up to Christmas 2020, buy any two books in our Christmas range and get one free. So why not take this opportunity to help others in their journey of faith? Visit canonjjohn.com today.